Good um, afternoon. We are on the bottom of Zion Amabet 7b. We're in the middle of a discussion of Rabbi Yitzchak and Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Yitzchak is reminding Rabbi Nachman how important it is to pray at the same time that the congregation is praying at. Last line, uh, Zion Amabet, um, middle of the line. So they asked, why are you so intent on making sure of Nachman prays at the same time as the congregation? Why is something that, that is so why is that so significant? Omerle, they answered, because Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Shem Ben Yochai, my dichsiv, what does it mean when it's written? Vanis and my prayer should be for you um, at a time of favor. Um, when is the time of favor? What does that mean, a time of favor before God? It's a, when the congregation is davening. So we see it's very important that the time of favor is when the congregation is davening. So that's when you should be praying. We have a couple of other proofs for this. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina, Omar Mehacha. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina says it from here. Ko Amar Hashem, Ratzon in Isicha. So did God say at a time of favor, I will answer you, or I have answered you. So we see again, there's this concept of a time of favor, which we know is when the uh, congregation is davening together. And we have a couple of other proofs. Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Chinina, Amar Mehacha. Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Chinina says it from here. It says, Hain kel kabir velo yimas. It says, Behold, God is mighty. God despises no one. So if you read that just a little bit different, it's God will not despise the mighty. Okay, so if you take a little bit of a different reading, it's God will not despise the mighty, or reference to the prayer of the mighty, or a prayer of a great congregation, or of a congregation when people are together. So God will not despise the prayer said at the time when the congregation is praying. Okay, and another proof, and this one's a bit more clear. Pada v'shalom nafshi, this is a verse in Psalms, Pada v'shalom nafshi, mikravli ki barabim hayuimadi. It says, God has redeemed my soul in peace, so that none come upon me, for there were many with me. So God answered me, because there were many with me, the congregation was praying together. Okay, Taninami Hachi. We also learned this in Abraisa, Rabbi Nassan Omer, Rabbi Nassan says, From where do we know that God does not despise the prayers of the congregation? Shinemar, as the verse says, So the first verse was, Behold, God is mighty, God despises no one, which we said if you read it a bit differently, it means God does not despise the prayer of the mighty. And furthermore, the second verse, which we brought, and it also says in Tehillim, Pada v'shalom nafshi mikrav li, it says, God has redeemed my soul in peace so that none came upon me. Um, and uh, we know the rest of that verse and what we learn out from it. And this is the last part of the teaching. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, God is saying, Kola osik chasadim, anybody that involves himself in Torah learning and in good deeds, umispalolim atzibor, and prays together with a congregation, it's as if that person has redeemed me. So again, based on that verse that was talking about, he is redeemed. So it's as if he has redeemed me, me God, uh, and to my children, he's redeemed the humankind, the Jewish people specifically, from among the nations of the world. So we see it's very, very significant to pray together with a congregation. Now that we've started talking about communal prayer, we're going to go on talking about it for a little bit more. Anybody that has a synagogue in their city, does not go in there to pray. Nikra Shachin Ra is called a bad neighbor. Shenemar is the verse in Yirmiyahu and Jeremiah says, So did God say, 
Al kol shchenai haraim, because of all of my wicked neighbors, hanogim benachala that touch the heritage, or the inheritance. Asher hinchaltias amias Israel that I have allowed my nation, the uh, the Jewish people, to inherit. So we see there that you're called a bad neighbor when all you do is touch and you do not enter. Meaning you have a synagogue in your city and you do not go in to pray in it. All you do is pass by it, perhaps even touch it, but do not go in. So that's uh, that's the verse from Jeremiah. Not only that, furthermore, you also cause um, exile for both you and your children. Shinemar, again, another verse in your Mio. Same verse, actually. So about that bad neighbor that doesn't go into the synagogue, it says, I will pluck them off from their land. And the house of Judah, I will, again, that same word, pluck, I will pluck from their midst. Okay, so we see there that um, if you don't go ahead and use the synagogue, then um, this type of wickedness will befall you. Uh, this type of this type of um, no, not you know negativity will befall you. Um, that is a little bit of a promotion for um, for shul going. All right, we are now one, two, three, four lines down in the medium wide lines. Um, we're at the period. Okay, Amrule. Rabbi Yochanan, Amrulele Rabbi Yochanan, they said to Rabbi Yochanan, okay, sorry about that, let's just go talk about what we're doing here. Um, we are talking right now about, we're still going to be discussing communal prayer, so that's what would explain the flow of the Gemara. Amrulele Rabbi Yochanan, they told Rabbi Yochanan, there are very old people in Babylonia. Tama Amar. so Rabbi Yochanan was surprised and says, the verse says, It says, in order, this is a part of Shema actually, but it says, in order that um, your days will be lengthened and the days of your children on this land, meaning in the land of Israel. So we see that there's a reward that you'll your days will be lengthened in the land of Israel if you listen to what God is saying. But we have no verse that tells us that your days will be lengthened outside of Israel as well. So he was shocked to hear that there was very old people living in Babylonia. But Kivan de Omri lay, but once they told him, that the people of Babylonia go early in the morning to the synagogue to pray and go late at night to the synagogue to pray, Omar Hainu Dahanulahu, he said, This is what was effective for them in allowing their lives to be extended. Um, that is why they have such longevity. Kid Amar Rabbi Shuban Levi, like your Shuban Levi said, Levine to his children, Kadimu v'chashichu v'ailu levei kinishna, go early and go late and go and enter the shul in the synagogue. Kihechi detorchu chayai in order that your life be lengthened. Amar Achab Rabbi Chinina Maikra Rabbi Achab Rabbi brings a verse for this to teach us that somebody that goes to shul early in the morning and late at night um, is uh, going to have their days lengthened. Maikra, what is the verse? That would tell us this, so it's a verse from Proverbs, Ashrei Adam Shomea Li Yom Yom. It says, um, Praise be the man who listens to me, who watches at my gates every day, Lishmor Mezuzos Psachai, to guard the doorposts of my entranceway. Uchsiv Basrei, and right after that it says, For those who find me, those who find me find life. So we see that it's the person that goes early to the shul in the morning and goes in the evening to shul. It's that person that's going to find life. Um, we are now just going to... 
We're now just going to um, talk about that verse from Proverbs in a minute, uh, for a moment. We're going to say a teaching based on that. Amr of Chista, of Chista says, La'olam yikanes adam shneip sachim beves haknesses. You should always enter two doorways. So we had just mentioned um, that this person that guards the doorways. Um, so we're going to now talk about that. So it says a person should always enter two doorways beves haknesses when going into the shul. And then we say, wait a minute, Shneip Sachim Sakadaicha, do you really mean that you have to go through two doorways? What happens if the shul only has one doorway? How are you going to fulfill this? What is the actual meaning here? Ella Ema Shir Shneip Sachim rather it means you should go in the length or the measurement of two doorways, meaning go in further. Don't sit at the back of the synagogue because then it looks like it's a burden for you. You just want to get out quick. Go in, make yourself at home, make yourself comfortable, and stay a while. Okay, we are now at the first colon on Chesamad Aleph on 8a. Um, and we are, now that we spoke about this verse about that the one who finds me finds life, the one that finds God finds life, we're going to talk more about that. Okay, the verse says, again, this is in Tehillim in Psalms, for this or because of this, um, may every pious person pray to you at the time of finding. Okay, so we see the time of finding. Um, so, Amar Bechinino, Le'es Mitzo, what does this mean at the time of finding? Le'es Mitzo, Zo Isha, it means at the time of finding a wife. So you have to pray, you know, every pious person should pray to God when it comes to the time in his life or her life probably an opposite, um, when it comes to time to find a spouse. Shenemar, as the verse says, matzah isha, matzah tov, at the time of finding, is what we said. And we have a verse from Proverbs that says, if you find a wife, you find good. So we see that the word find is very relevant to finding a wife. So at a time of finding, when you should pray to God, is when you're looking for a wife. Bima'arava, in the West or in Israel, Kinasiv Inish Itza, and um, this is a fulfillment of uh, based. This is a lesson based on the verse we just said. Kinasiv Inish Itza, when a person would get married to a woman, Amrale, they would say to him, Amrale Hachi, they would say as follows to him, Matza o Motza, did you get a Matza or did you get a Motza? Okay, so what does that mean? Did you get a Matza or Motza? Well, there's two different verses about a wife. One, a matzah, dichsiv. So it says that one word, one verse about a wife says the word matzah, a find, dichsiv, matzah isha, matzah tov. The one that we quoted from Proverbs that says when you find a wife, you find good. Vayafek ratzon me Hashem, and you obtain favor from God. So we see that, so matzah is a find that has wonderful connotations. And motza, what would the motza mean? Dichsiv, it's another type of fine, but it has different connotations. Dichsiv, this is a verse from Koheles, from Ecclesiastes. Umotza ani marmi maves is haisha. And I find the woman more bitter than death. So that is another find. And this one is with very negative connotations. So when they would get married, they would ask, did you get a motza or did you get a motza? 
Um, I'm not sure um, how great of a question that would be to ask at a wedding, but that is what they used to do. Rav Nassim Omer, so now we're going to talk more about this time of finding. The first We had our first explanation, now we're on to our second explanation. Rav Nassim Omer, Rav Nassim says, Le'es mitzozo Torah, when it comes to when you should pray, pious pray at the time of finding, that's at the time of Torah learning, in order to be successful in your Torah learning. Shanamar, as the verse says, how do we know it's a reference to Torah learning? It says, Ki He who finds me finds life. And um, that is actually a verse that is referring to Torah. Rav Nachman Yitzchak Amar Le'es Mitzozo Misa. Rav Nachman Yitzchak says that when it says at a time of finding, it's actually a reference to death. Um, as the verse says, Lamavis Totsaos, it says there are issues of death, um, things that come out, but that word Totsa'a is the same word as the same ver- root as the word Matzah. So we say that it's a reference to death. And what it means is, is at the time of death, one should pray to God. A pious will pray to God that um, everything goes smoothly and um, and that death be a painless, smooth affair. Okay, Taninami Hachi, and we learned this about death, that death could be anything from very peaceful and smooth to something very, very, very scary. Taninami Hachi, we learned like this in Abraisa. Teisha meos v'shlosha mine misa nivru'u ba'olam. There were 900. And three types of death exist in this world. Shinemar, as the verse says, la maves totsa'os. Um, issues of death, like issues, things that come out. So, totsaos bigamachia hachi havu. And the word totsaos, if you take a look at its numerical value, it's 903. So the verses, in other words, telling us, this verse in Psalms is telling us that there are 903 different ways to die. So, kashashibakulan askara, the hardest, the most difficult, or the most painful of all is askara, which is some sort of um, it affects your throat and you basically can no longer breathe. Um, and the, the gentlest type of death is Nishika. It's when God kisses you. There are several times throughout the Torah where God comes and kisses a very righteous person. And that kiss of death is a very peaceful, holy way to die. Askara. So now we're going to describe what Askara is like, that type of throat death that's horrible. Asker damia kichizra bigvava de imra de la achore nishra. So um, basically, it's like a thorn in wool, in like a wool sweater, um, which if you pull it out backwards, it's going to tear the wool. So it's that's what it's like. So extracting the neshama, extracting the soul during that type of death is very difficult. It's like pulling a thorn out of wool, which I guess is rips apart the wool. Vikid Amri, and some say it's kifituri bifiveshet. It's like having a rope at the entrance to the esophagus. Um, and obviously, taking that rope out of an esophagus would be very difficult. So we're just trying to explain, describe how difficult it is. Nishika, though, when it comes to this kiss of death, which is the most gentle type, that's damyukamishchal benisa mechal. It's just like drawing, taking a hair from milk, very simple, very easy. Okay, so now we're going to have another opinion as to what a time of finding was a reference to. So we have coupled, we, so far we've said either finding a wife, either learning Torah, or um, the time of death. We're going to have another one. So it means um, the time of finding is a reference to burial, that you should pray to have a, um, a nice and respectful burial. says, what's the verse that teaches us that the word finding is relevant to the word burial, the concept of burial? So it says, 
Yosisu, ki kaver. It says, who rejoice greatly um, in joyfulness and are happy when they find a grave. So we see the word find is used in reference to a grave. So the time of finding would be the time of burial. In other words, pray that you have a respectful burial. Amarabba bar Rav Shila, Hainudamri Inshi, and Rav Shila says this is what people say. This has become part of the vernacular. You should, person should ask for mercy. A person should pray to God for mercy until the final shovelful is thrown upon his grave. Okay, so that's um. So we see that it's a it's a very it's a could be a difficult time. So you should pray that it be respectful and appropriate. Um, now we have another opinion of the time of finding. Marzotra says that a time of finding is a reference to being always being able to find a washroom, a place to relieve yourself, because I guess back then that was much more difficult to find. You have to walk all the way out into the fields, and it would be a very difficult, um, every time you had to go to the washroom would be a very difficult situation. So pray that you always have a, a, a washroom available, which um, puts the things into perspective for us. And Omri Bamarava and the people in Israel, they used to say, That's what Marzutra says, that a time of finding, that a prayer is on time of finding, is reference to finding a bathroom, is actually, the, um, is actually the best explanation of them all. And this could be either for lo logical reasons, like in, um, for that, that this could potentially be the worst of all of the suffering, so to be able to find that bathroom is the most appropriate time to pray, or it could be more based on the verses that we find and how the best verse, the best suited verse for this is um, when it comes to finding, a time of finding is a reference to the bathroom. Okay. Omar Leh. So we are now at um, the period, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines up before we get to the very line, line lines, and that's where we're up to. Okay, so now, so now that we have been talking a lot about the shul, about the synagogue, we're going to now use this opportunity to continue talking about the synagogue. Amarle Ravala Rafambar Papa, Rava said to Rafambar Papa, Lemalon Mar Mehani Mili Ma'alyasa, Dhamma Mishra Khis Mili Vekinishna. So Rava said to Rafambar Papa, please tell us something. One of those amazing things that you said in the name of Rav Chista that has to do with a shul, that has to do with a synagogue. So Amr Leh, so he answered, Raphim said, Hachi Amr Rav Chista, this is what Rav Chista said. What does it mean in the Psalms when it says, Oy Vashem Sharetzion Mikol Mishkanos Yaakov, that God loves the uh, gates of Zion more than all of the other dwelling places of Jacob, of the Jewish people. What does this mean? It means, This is fascinating. God loves the gates of the, um, the gates that are significant or specific in their learning of Jewish law. God loves those even more than shuls, and study halls. So a shul is a place where primarily you pray. It's now become a mixture of a place where you pray and a study hall. But there were some institutions that were specifically set aside for learning, but learning to come to a Jewish law conclusion, to a halacha conclusion, and that's what this is teaching us, that that is what God favors most. And this is what Rabbi Chia Bar-Ami said in the name of Ula, from the day that the, uh, the temple was destroyed, 
From the day that the temple was destroyed, God had no dwelling place in this world except for the four cubits of Jewish law, meaning any area where Jewish law is being discussed and conclusions are being come to. So now, based on this, Abayi said, I used to study in my house and then go and pray in the synagogue. Once I heard Rebbechia says how significant a place of Torah learning, specifically a place of Jewish law learning is. Once I heard what he said, when I heard that he said that from the day that the temple was destroyed, God had no place in this world except for the four cubits of Jewish law. I would only pray where I was learning because I wanted to pray in the most uh, special, the most auspicious place, which is obviously where Torah study was happening. And Rabbi Amr, Rabbi Asi, and Rabbi Amr, Asi say something similar. Even though there were 13 synagogues in Tiberias, they would only they would only pray between the very pillars where they studied. So again, that same type of concept. Okay, we are three lines down in the very wide lines. You know, once we said one teaching in the name of Avchia that Reb Chia said in the name of Ula, we're now going to continue on with some other teachings of his. Reb Chia Ba'ami said in the name of Ula, Somebody who benefits from his own hard labor is even greater than somebody that fears God. Because when it comes to somebody that fears God, the verse in Tehillim says, It says, Praiseworthy is the person that fears God. So that's all it says. But when it comes to somebody that um, that uh, benefits from his own hard labor, it says in Tehillim, It says, By the labor of your hands um, you will eat. Um, so praise be you and may it be good for you. So it says two things. It says not just praise, but may it good be good for you as well. So this person that eats from his own work, may you be praised, may you be happy, and may it be good for you. So it's a double wording, unlike the one with the uh, person that prays, fears God. And what does this mean? What is the double wording telling us? Praise be you in this world, and may it be good for you in the world to come. And when it comes to someone that fears heaven, it doesn't say may it be good for you. And other teaching of Rabbi Bar Abba, Rabbi in the name of Ula, Rabbi Bar Abba Mishmeid Ula, Rabbi Bar Hami said in the name of Ula, Laolam Yadar Adam Bimakom Rabbo. A person should always try to live in the place where his rabbi lives. Shekosman Shashimi Ben Gera Kayam Lo Nasa Shlomo Bas Paro, because we know that as long as Shimi Ben Gera, who was a great rabbi, and who was also the rabbi of King Solomon, as long as he was alive, King, Shlo- King Solomon or Shlomo did not marry the Pharaoh's daughter. He did not, um, he was not engaged in intermarriage. Um, and it was only once his rabbi died that he then went and married the daughter of the Pharaoh. Now, wait a minute. Vahatanya al Yador, but wait a minute. Don't we have a different price so that t- teaches us that one should not live where his rabbi lives, his rabbi lives? Lokasha, so we say it's not a question. It's not a contradiction. Where one should live where his rabbi lives, that's where somebody listens to what his rabbi has to say. 
and therefore his will listen to what he has to say. But um, if somebody does not listen to what his rabbi has to say, then it's better that he not live near his rabbi because then if he does things, it will not he won't be considered as if he's doing them um, intentionally because his rabbi is not there to tell him otherwise. So it's better to do to transgress things um, unintentionally than intentionally and living by your rabbi would make it that everything that every transgression that you're doing is intentional so better to just live away and um live blindly instead of living intentionally um when it comes to transgressing okay at this point we have another teaching that has to do with the shul so that's the synagogue that's probably why we came back to it we just took a little break um because we had a whole list of teachings from Rebbe Bar Ami, Nishmei Ula, in the name of Ula. So now we're back. Amar Afuna, so where are we? We are one, two, three, four, four lines up in the widest lines, the last couple of words on the line. Amar Afuna, Bar Yudam, Rebbe Menachem, Amar Rebbe Ami. Rebbe says, in the name of Rebbe Menachem, who says in the name of Rebbe Ami, what does it mean when it says in Yeshaya, in Isaiah, it says, they, those who leave God will perish. This is Hameniach Sefer Torah Vayotze. It means somebody who, abond, who abandons a Torah scroll. So the Torah scroll is taken out and just leaves um, as the Torah scroll is still out and wasn't put back. So, because it makes it seem as if he's just running away from the Torah. Rabbi Avo, Nafik ben Gavro, Gavro. Rabbi Avo would go out between one aliyah and the next aliyah, right? So the Torah reading is split up between aliyos. So he would not go out in the middle of a Torah reading, in the middle of an aliyah. But once the person was done with the aliyah, and before the next person started the second, the next aliyah, that's when he would go in and out. So and and that uh, the proof is is that Rabbi Avo would never have done anything inappropriate. So you're allowed to do that. Now, what about when it comes to leaving between one verse and the second, next verse? So what happened was, we don't do this anymore, but in the Torah reading back in the day, back in the times of the Talmud, you would have, it would be read verse for verse. So you'd read one verse in Hebrew, and then a translator would actually translate it for everybody that didn't understand the Hebrew, and then you go on to the second verse, and then the translator would translate it. So the question that we're asking here is, if a verse is read in Hebrew, and, the tra- and, and, and now it's the translation time. Are you allowed to step out during translation time? Or is that also considered as if you're re- leaving, you know, trying to escape the Torah? So we answer teku. We say w- this remains unresolved. Teku is a very interesting thing. Teku means unresolved. We will not be able to resolve it until... So if you take a look at the Hebrew letters, tuf, yud, kuf, vav... We're told that they stand for Tishbi Yataretz Kushos Ubayos, that Elijah the prophet, when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes, will answer the questions that we still have that are unresolved. This is one of those questions that Elijah will resolve for us. Rav Sheshis, again, more about the, uh, now about the Torah reading. Rav Sheshis, Mahara Pevagaris, Amar Anan Bedidan Inhubedidu. Rav Sheshis would turn his face away from the Torah while it was being read, and he would study his own thing. He would learn his own thing. Um, he'd probably learn his own, he'd probably learn Gemara. He'd learn the oral Torah as the written Torah was being read. Um, and what did he say? He said, Anan bididan, he said, we are engaged in ours, and they are engaged in theirs. Um, but ultimately, we're all doing what's right. I'm learning the oral Torah, they're learning the written Torah. It's, um, it's, um, it's uh, totally fine what I'm doing. 
This is a very interesting new point. We'll translate it, but then we'll delve more into it um, next uh, for in the next podcast. He says a person should always complete the Torah portion with the congregation. So every week we read a Torah portion. You should have learned it by yourself. Shnayim mikra ve'echad targum. Prior to Shabbat, you should have finished the Torah study of the Torah portion of that week in a specific way. Shnayim mikra ve'echad targum. That means reading the actual words of the Torah twice, and then reading a translation one time. And that's how you'll actually remember and internalize the words of the Torah. And we'll talk more about that next podcast. Thank you very, very much. Shabbat Shalom. Let's just quickly recap what we had here. We talked about the importance of praying together with the congregation, even if it's not in the same building, but as long as it's at the same time. That's a very uh, important point. We talked about the importance of going to shul, of going to the synagogue to pray, um, and how not great it is if you have one in your city and you don't use it. Then we talked about how it lengthens your life, going to shul in the mornings and in the evenings. Um, And then we spoke about the time of your finding and how that's a time to pray, and we gave several different explanations of that, all very interesting of themselves. Um, in of themselves. And then we started talking about going back to talking about the shul. And then we talked about how really the most auspicious place to, to be is where um, halacha is decided, where Jewish law is learned and decided. We spoke about that for a little bit and the if, impact that that had on people's praying habits. And then we mentioned quickly about uh, the, the, the praiseworthiness of somebody that makes their own living and doesn't rely on other people. And then we talked about living where your rabbi lives and how sometimes that's a good idea and sometimes it's not. And then we talked about um, the disrespect that that exists if you leave while the Torah is being, is out, when the Torah is not in the ark but rather out. And we went into a couple of details there. And then we started with the next important concept, which is about learning the Torah, that week's Torah portion, on your own before Shabbat. Have a wonderful Shabbat. Take good care and uh, talk to you soon.